Hi, Hi guys. guys. <laughs> Liz here. And Mad. Welcome to the last episode of season one of Let Me Get Back to You. That flew by. Seriously. In episode five of this season, we chat with the hilarious Emma Vernon. By day, Emma is an integrated marketing manager at Viacom for Comedy Central and Spike. And by night, Emma takes the New York City comedy scene by storm with her hilarious improv skills. In this episode, Emma shares with us how she was first inspired to perform at a young age by her grandmother. She takes us through her journey, first as an intern at Seventeen Magazine, then to her passion-defining experience joining the Upright Citizens Brigade, or UCB, as many of you probably know it, class where she fell in love with improv comedy, to her first adult job at AMC Networks where she learned the magic of PowerPoint, and now to her current career balancing her love of comedy at her day job and continuing to hone her personal comedy skills at night performing all around New York City. We definitely did not want our interview with Emma to end. We had an absolute blast and know you will too. Oh, and let's help Emma's Google search change from the ghost of Massachusetts. <laughs> You'll hear more about that to let me get back to you podcast guest by listening and sharing this episode on social media. I think we should definitely do that. Um, thanks, everyone. Enjoy. Enjoy. Shoo yap a doodle a to another episode of Let Me Get Back to You. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got Mad and Liz here. We're still here. It's Liz. <laughs> um, this week we have a very special guest. We have Miss Emma Vernon joining the podcast. Yay! Welcome, Emma. Welcome, Thanks, Emma. guys. Happy to be here. <laughs> Emma, why don't you um, introduce yourself yeah. to our lovely little... audience. Tell Backhand. us a little bit about yourself. Okay, well, I'll repeat the obvious. My name is Emma Vernon, um, and I currently work at Comedy Central and Spike. I work for Viacom. I work in the integrated marketing department, so basically when uh, clients come in and they want to do things a little bit more custom than just running standard commercials on air, that's where my team comes in to give them sort of custom client solutions so any sort of cool maybe on the ground activation that you see that has like a pepsi logo on it or any sort of cool vignettes that you'll see um during a commercial time that you're like hmm that has like comedy central talent and feels like a piece of content but it's promoting this that's like kind of what my team does organic content organic with brands with brands but you don't know it's branded except you see the logo (laughs) branding um and then i also am a comedian I do improv, stand-up, sketch. Love it. Uh, yeah. Just Amazing. funny all around. So uh, that's my number one goal. <laughs> nice. <From> comedy <laughs> day to night. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's awesome. So can we back it up a little bit to kind of your beginnings and where you came from and sort of how you got interested in entertainment in general was it something that you you know as like a kid you were interested in or is it something that you kind of found later in life like how did you come upon it um I never had like one thing growing up that I was like I'm gonna be this Uh but I just always knew that it was gonna be something in entertainment yeah um and when I was little I was an entertainer not in like a formal way in like an obnoxious Mm -hmm. way like interrupting like dinners and like inappropriate (laughs) family events I want to see the whole movie (laughs) yeah um actually well I'll never forget this I remember my grandmother um when I was like four or five, and my sister was seven, um, I was always, like, the center of attention as a young kid, mm-hmm. and I remember my sister had a knock-knock joke, and she, it was, like, my mom, my grandmother, me, and her, and we were sitting in the living room, and my sister told the joke, and my mom and my grandmother laughed, and I felt, like, such a tinge of jealousy, mm-hmm. that I just was, like, I have to come up with something. Oh, my something. God, that's crazy. Yeah, you that I was, like, that. I, I, I never forgot this. I was, like, I have to come up with something better, and on the spot, I made up a joke that was obviously, like, not funny because I was a four-year-old making up a joke and um I remember my grandmother looked at me and she was like Emma 
if you're going to interrupt a conversation, <gasps> it better be with something funny. And I was, and it ne- I never forgot it. And then I, I always, so that's how I feel wow. like I, yeah. And so like, I never try and be like the loudest in the room. I kind of like try and come in when it's going to be like, when it's, it's going to hit I feel up. like it's she like ninja, like created it, the comedian in you by giving you bit, that I, direction. And she was not like a hilarious, she was funny and she like, you know, was charming and whatever, but it's not like she was like, you know, like a like a Joan Rivers that, like, I, like, got this from her. But, um, yeah, so I always was, like, interested in entertaining. And I danced growing up and, like, did acting and stuff like that. And I just kind of felt like I wanted to go into entertainment. And I didn't know if I wanted to be behind the camera or in front of it. Or I guess now that I understand, like, all the variety of jobs that exist to the side of it, um, what I wanted to do. But yeah. Oh my god! I knew I wanted to it be there. It was in you. Yeah. Well, I mean, at four years old for you to like recognize that is crazy, and remember it to this day. Also. My grandmother like passed away when I was five years old, and I have like my memories of her as a kid are just like so sweet, and like her taking us to the park and yeah. little things like that. I will never forget this one story. It's amazing. I feel like yeah. that's the title of your book. I mean, yeah. or something. So if you're gonna interrupt it, that'll be funny. <laughs> Um, okay, wow. so like logistically, kind of, how did you get to where you are? What did you study in school? Oh, yeah, I totally didn't answer your no, question. no, no, that was an amazing answer. Yeah, just, yeah, I'm just curious because Liz that and I are both on yeah. very different parts of the industry than you, so I'm mm-hmm. genuinely like curious how you ended up on the path that you and especially on. knowing like I think when we were younger we didn't know that this all these facets of the entertainment industry like yeah. existed yeah right? you don't need, so, how could you know your career when now you see how many random careers there are of yeah. just like how many jobs there are within the industry yeah like, exactly. how could you you can't possibly know that when you're younger and you're just like I want to be in entertainment right, and I right. think we've all organically found our niche right um so I'm curious how you kind of came to what you're doing now um, so in college, I did not study anything related to entertainment. Nice. Um, I studied American it's usually studies. Usually the path. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I studied American studies, which is a small major. It's interdisciplinary. And Where did you go to school? I went to GW uh-huh. in Washington DC. And um, oh, you know. Um, <laughs> so, and the best way to explain American studies, um, which is funny because I have like two close friends who are also in the major with me, and it's like our biggest dilemma. Like, how do you explain this major to someone? would be to put it in context, like, if sociology is a study of behavioral mm-hmm. institutions... as a minor in sociology. Me too, me too. And psychology... No, 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 wait. Sociology is the study... Sorry, I'm messing... If sociology is the study of social institutions... I'm clearly And psychology up. is the study of behavior... Yes. Mm-hmm. Then American studies is through, like, a cultural lens. Oh. So we looked at things like transnationalism and gender and sexuality all through the lens of but it's not like ethnocentric like it's not like pro-america right. it's very critical of america mm. but just like ha- how america has interacted with other countries how they yeah. different cultural subjects that um would be related to like the development of the nation so you're a curious person by nature mm-hmm. right like you yeah. want to have an understanding of have answers. Yeah. Work. yeah. I like okay. I like reading. I like learning about things. I like reading like different views and coming to my own. Yeah. I don't like reading th- well, I don't mind reading things that are opinionated if I read the counter opinion. Sure. Because I just feel like those are so heavily weighted that if I kind of read the two Both sides. Yeah. yeah. I can sort of be like, okay, these this is consistent in both. Yeah. Mm. Um, okay. So so I okay. did not study anything related to um, entertainment. And then I got an internship at Seventeen Magazine. Um, <gasps> this, yeah. What? Wait. So I, when? What year? So the summer after my freshman year of college, I was a features intern at Seventeen Magazine. Cool. And I was like, That's "This is so fun." And it how was that so, came through school? You just like saw a posting? No, or? I have like so I have this woman who's like kind of my mentor, and she works in the magazine industry, and. I've just been very close with her for a long time, and she helped me get that internship. And she was, like, distraught when I graduated and didn't want to go into magazines. She kind of knew that I probably wasn't going to um, and, like, wasn't upset with me for it, which is kind of a shame because she is the best resource ever and the most giving, kind, yeah. like, smart woman. But so she's still um, working for 17. Yeah, how did you meet her? So I met her through my mother. Okay. Um, my mom 
Well, this is all personal, so I don't know if I want in the podcast. You don't have to go down that road. I'm just curious because I feel like a lot of our listeners may be interested in finding a mentor or sort of understanding how you could go about that. And it sounds like for you, it was a personal connection that led to that. And oftentimes it is a personal connection. But I think like our listeners and I think certainly us too, sometimes we forget to mine our personal relationships. And so it's very helpful to... I mean, even if you just think like this was a connection through my mother. And, like, you have to think about those resources because yeah. they're there. They're the be- and, listen, yeah. they're the best advocates for you. And, like, I know, like, as younger people, we all kind of, like, mm-hmm. fight that because we're like, Mom, Dad, don't talk about us. Or, like, Mom, but Dad, But if you're like, not don't... taking that opportunity, there's somebody else who will. Absolutely. And I, felt, I remember I felt guilty about it when I was younger because I was like, someone is helping me get all these internships. Like, I'm not sweating my ass off, like, applying, applying, applying. Like, there is someone looking out for me who's yeah. like, how can I help you? And I felt really guilty about it. And I remember my mom said to me she was like there are so many other people who are doing it and if you don't do it they will and she was like if you she's like the most foolish thing you could do would be to have an advantage and not use it right absolutely and like what what, better people than your parents come on like you know they're the ones that love you and know you best yeah right for better for worse so what was 17 like and how did that kind of put you on a path 17 was uh it was like exactly ha- the the people dressed and acted in the exact editorial voice of the magazine. Like emails always had smiley faces and emoticon emojis didn't exist, so like emoticons, you know. Wow. Like we always were putting like smiley faces and like hey there, like exclamation exclamation. And sounds like heaven. <laughs> well, well, it's crazy. So yeah, it was in the Hearst. It was in the Hearst building. Uh-huh. Yeah. And my favorite thing in New to York. Do, in New York, my favorite thing to do was I felt like people so identified with, the, on the editorial side, because it was pu- it's publishing and editorial, so publishing is the business side of magazines, sure. editorials, you know, all the writers, and I felt like a lot of people who worked at Hearst were so personally identified with the publications that they wrote for that you could tell in the elevator which publication, like I could, Whoa. when they would get in the wow. elevator, I would play like, guess which very floor, guess which floor right they're now. getting off at, and if they were like in like a very chic, like maybe like, black outfit with, like, very cool stilettos and a designer handbag. I'm like, okay, they're going to Harper's. Right. Okay. And then I'd see them cap. I'd be like, plus one for Emma. (laughs) And then, like, sometimes I'd see, like, nice, like, muted colors and, like, florals and, like, um, you know, like maybe like cool Good yellow rainbow. Yep. <gasps> yes! and I, was like, I was like, oh, this woman is going to good housekeeping. And then you'd see like someone get in in like like a bright like Forever Twenty One outfit that like they probably just wrote an article about, and I'd be like, okay, seventeen. Or like they have like yeah. rainbow manicures. I'm like seventeen for sure. And um, yeah, oh I felt like the editors. I mean, obviously, I'm sure there are editors who don't do this, but. And I also was at Good Housekeeping the next summer, and I feel like editors tend to embody the brand that they wow. work for, whether they... Sure. And maybe that's why they get hired, and so they're naturally like sure. that. I don't know, but... Well, I guess you have to live, sleep, breathe, like, all of that. The brand. Yeah. I guess you just, like, I guess it kind of, tra- like, translates into, like, when people say, like, what should I wear to work, and it's kind of like, we'll see what people are wearing around you... I guess, like, if, you know, if you're at Harper's and everyone's in, like, heels every day, you're not going to be the one that shows up in flats. flats and then, like, right. eventually your style evolves. I right. can see how it happens. Sure. And, you know. Um, wow. Wait, okay, but where did the comedy curiosity come from? Because like, um, that's, I mean, I feel like for our listeners, I don't know if they would almost have, like, they may not know what UCB is, yeah. first and foremost. And second of all... Um, to know that there is like comedy outlets like that, workshops that exist outside of main cities like New York mm-hmm. and Chicago and LA. Yeah. So how did that come? Because you were in DC in college, mm-hmm. and I think they have a comedy scene, but like maybe it wouldn't have been as prevalent in your mind. Yeah. So comedy is is always on my mind, but yeah. it wasn't in my mind in like a professional sense. Mm-hmm. I just always. It's my greatest joy in life, mm-hmm. genuinely, to entertain people and to make them laugh. And I'm also a very hyper-aware person, and I sometimes, like, like if I'm at parties and I'm just, like, around a circle of people, I see myself, I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I might as well just, like, put on tap shoes and be like, da-da-da-da. <laughs> like, I literally feel like I'm just, like, all I'm doing is just, like, trying to entertain. Yeah. And as you can see, it stemmed from, like, a very early age yes. that I have always wanted to just entertain people. So um, you did that for the summer. So, yeah. So Signed I just jumped into it. I did it. It was just, like, a really fun, diverse group of people. And because it was an intensive, it was only, I forget how many days it was, but it was like a series of days where you spent like 10 hours with people a day and like had like an hour lunch break. So it's unlike any other, most UCB classes are three hour classes that have a 10 minute break. 
So, you know, you don't, the, the closeness that was fostered in that intensive, we'd have an hour every day of a lunch break, so we all would be forced to sit out. and hang yeah. out. And it was just, like, a really great opportunity. And in 101 at UCB, which is their entry-level um, class, they basically try and get you to be as confident as you possibly can. And um, so you don't really learn all the rules of improv. They're just trying to encourage you to get out of your comfort zone, make a funny choice, make an active choice, and just, like, listen to your partner and yes and their decision. And don't turn things down and don't tell them that their reality is wrong and just kind of, like, go with it and see what happens. So obviously after 101, your ego is, like, up to here because you're like, I wow, like, I'm actually really good at improv. And then you get to 201 where they're like, guess what? Like, everything you learn in 101 is wrong because there's a thing called game. And there's all these rules of improv that you need to know. And this is unacceptable. And this is a dick move. It sounds and this scary. Is, <laughs> no, I'm making it sound. No, for me. I mean, for me. To, that's also, it's still so fun. And the teachers, I have never had a teacher I didn't like at UCB. Like, yeah. my teachers have always been great. But it's basically just like, that's when you learn the fundamentals of improv that, like, even though this is like a whole make-believe world, there's still like a framework of course. For it. And obviously, like, very professional, very talented people, like, can break the mold because they're just so good that they don't have to follow those rules and it will still work out. But they're, they're you know, when you see it like a typical long-form improv show, which is called it, well, in, like at UCB, it's the Herald form. Right. And it's, you're in the audience and you don't know what the Herald form is. It just seems like the most brilliant like, how could they come back to this? How did they know to go back to this? This reminds me of this scene. but And it is brilliant, but it's all stemming from, like, a format that you mm. follow of, like, first beats, second beat, third beats. So there there are rules that, like, yeah. help get you there. Yeah, well, you have to remember all of it in, like, both your mind, your comedy being, and then, like, your physicalness, too. Like, right. all at the same time. So right. I don't know what the structure yeah. is, but I, like, that always boggles my mind. I'm like, wait, how did you guys, well, yeah, so you, like, connect did, all those dots? You did 101 for a summer, so, like, three months. Well, no, 101 is only a few, well, the, I did an intensive, so it was only a few days. Okay. Then I went straight into 201. Okay. Then I finished that, and I was like, okay, I'm going to do 301. I was like, you know, I'm doing this. I'm this in. Is fun. Yeah. Yeah. And then I did 301, and that was really fun. And and at what point, how far into your story are we? Are we Well, so then months? I did 401. Okay. <laughs> then I did 501. No, I'm just kidding. It ends at 401. And then you either, and there's like an advanced, and then I did 1001. No. I'm just like, how long does this take? Um, wow. Nine hours later. Um, And then after 401, you... There's an advanced studies program that you can apply to get into, and then that's like more. That's kind of like the grad school of UCB. Yeah. And um, and can you kind of, for the audience's sake, to root them in it? Are there any recognizable names from UCB's sort of like higher levels that have gone on? Yeah, I mean, for those for those that maybe don't know what UCB is, Amy Poehler is a founder. Yes. And there have been, um, I'm just trying to think in terms of, like, if like just generic names. Well, so, there have been a ton of famous people that have come out of UCB. Obviously, Lots most people know Broad City. Abby yeah. and Alana were both UCB performers. But what's interesting about them is they could not get on a house team at UCB, and which is, like, it just shows how difficult it is because they're so freaking hilarious. And they started their web series because they, couldn't get on. they were so frustrated wow. that they couldn't make a house and they were like, we need something to show for ourselves. That's so cool. And so they started at UCB. Um, then, that, like, almost all the Daily Show correspondents are, like, you know, Jordan Klepper, Jessica Williams, who's now going to have her own show. Yep. That's public, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Just Many say, folks that have gone yes, SNL. Thought, um, yeah, tons of SNL people. Shashira Zameda. Um, so SNL. you're in pretty good company. Well, I'm not performing with those people. But yes, like there is an incredible... <laughs> but they came out of the same place. place. It's a yes, very, yes, yes, come yes, yes. The bottom line is it's a very reputable yes. program. Right. I mean, those are just through. names that came to mind. There are so, like, so many comedy people that you see are from UCB. And this is obviously a New York-based program that you're talking about, but there's also an L.A. school, Component. is that right? Yes, division. Um, and it's... It's not necessarily in every city across the United States. It's, it's just in New York, York and LA. New York and LA. Um, for those of you interested in comedy, right. but um, 
Okay. But that doesn't mean that your local cities don't have some version of, like, a workshop Yeah, or do you have any recommendation, having gone through the process, for somebody who maybe doesn't live in New York or L.A., like, what they could do if they're interested in a comedy career? Or would it just be moved to New York or L.A.? Um, or Chicago. Or Chicago, yeah, or Chicago. of course. Yep. Um, I know that, I mean, there are definitely a lot of improv programs in other cities, I know Washington, D.C. has programs, Boston has programs, Austin has programs. Um, there are some towns in Connecticut that have programs. It's yeah. obviously, like, it's just a question of, like, do you want to be, like, somewhere that is a name brand and, um, or do you just, I don't know. I guess I haven't had enough experience not being in New York and having to figure it out. Right. To have to figure it sure. out. Yeah. It's fair enough. Well, it's like lay some groundwork wherever you may be, and if ultimately your goal is yeah. to be part of a name brand like a UCB or some of the others that exist, you probably will eventually yeah. have to move to one of the bigger cities, but that doesn't mean you can't yeah. lay some foundation. I would beforehand. say just like watch as many YouTube videos as you can and just try and like and read articles. There, are so, there have been so many books written about improv and how-to guides. There are so many, and yeah. UCB has a manual... Um, I mean, yeah, you can, you name it. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually a great segue into our next question. Well, let's take a quick break and then we'll hop back in. Let's do it. And we're back. back. Um, so we left off, you have gone through the UCB program and gone through all the different levels. What was the sort of next step into an actual day job or paying job gig for yourself? Yeah. Well, okay. So first off, going through all the levels of UCB was over the span of a few years. Okay. Um, but my first job, I ended up getting, um, the, the September after I graduated, um, and again, I, I, my mom is also in the entertainment industry, so I feel like that's a notable thing. Oh, that is. What does yeah. she do? Um, my mom works in ad sales. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, at Food Network. Okay. So. Oh. Yes. Liz's oh. wheels are turning. Oh. Yeah. So, it's not, like, completely serendipitous. Like, I knew that I want to be in entertainment, but, like, TV specifically, like, I kind of already had a role model for me who I personally think my mom is awesome and look up to her as such a boss lady. Which that, is I mean, so she sounds cool. Yeah, because, like, I mean, yeah. sounds like, like a boss lady. I feel like hopefully the next generation, like, whenever we all have children, I yeah. hope our kids can look up to us and be like, mm-hmm. our moms are boss ladies in the industry doing something. Yeah, right. And We're doing whatever, or but our whatever. boss ladies and whatever, and our incredible and right. I, I do feel like you are sort of like rare and lucky to have had a mom who was such a good example for and you. And that it was and my that... mom and not my dad, too. Right. It was yes. just like, I, yeah. So my mom uh, is in the industry and she had a close friend who worked at AMC and I, they were getting lunch and they were just like, um, you know, What's up like, with you? how's Emma What's doing? Yeah, and, Emma, yeah. and I was just like, she's good, you know, this is what she's interested in, she's looking for a job, she's taking the summer off doing improv, and when she told my, when she told her friend what I was interested in, and what my experience had been, and my different internships, she was just like, you know, there's a temp opportunity at AMC, which is where she worked, and she was like, it, it's an entry-level opportunity, and I think Emma would be really great for it, if you if she wants to send me her resume, I'd be happy to put her in contact with the hiring manager. That's how I got my foot in the door at AMC. Amazing. And what was the department you were temping for? That was a department that no longer exists at AMC, oh. um, to my knowledge, or it's kind of been like, a, it's evolved. Um, but it was ad sales business development. Okay. Um, and basically what we did, we were the pre-sale step for sales mm. on new business accounts. So accounts that either weren't spending that much money with um, AMC Networks or weren't spending any money with them. And I, I actually worked on AMC, Sundance, and WeTV. Wow. We would do research using good old MRI and Simmons, which for those of you listening, uh, are like syndicated research systems. Where you, yeah, you can like input everything. Like I could find right now, like you could give me a random search, like um, women 18 to 34 from Florida who watch <laughs> WeTV, like what, what, um, 
like what is their favorite color. I mean, I don't know if that's like on there, but like you can just search like really, wow. you can input random things and like find just like very. Oh, I want um, access to this. Yeah, it's that definitely super cool. helpful to like find, I mean, I don't think what's your favorite color is that on there, no. that's a joke. Like, sure. That would not be like relevant to any business deck unless you were like selling the rainbow. Um, you never know. What color they react to? Maybe like, like Essie nail polish could like work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I take it back. You could find a company that would want yeah, color. Or like on. Benjamin Moore. I take it back. I take it back. Um, but, um, yeah, so we ran syndicated research to basically find ways to show, like, hey, like, your brand and our brand are very alike. Like, you have this new initiative to do this, and that's exactly what, like, AMC has been doing. Or, like, did you know that AMC viewers are twice as likely to buy a car within the next year, and we would pitch that to a, you know, like, an auto, uh, Brand. I'm seeing, like, so, infomercials right yeah, now. Yeah, <laughs> so for you, you graduate college, then you go through a comedy program intensive, mm-hmm. then you start working in this industry at, a- like, how did you feel about it when you were working there? Were you kind of like, this is just a great first job? Or you- I felt like it really was a great first job in terms of learning the nuts and bolts. Like, one thing I felt... Even though I loved what I studied in school and I genuinely, I had friends in the business school and kind of in majors that they felt like they should take versus what they wanted to take. Mm. And I was like, I love what I'm reading. Mm -hmm. I am so, I wanted to speak to my professors and have conversations. Like I like participating in class, but I was like, I have no skills. Like I'm like, what? I'm like, I don't know Photoshop. I don't know like Mm. what is CMS, HTML. I don't, like I was just like, I don't have like a tangible skill that I'm like, I can do this program. Uh And that job... Um, I, well, there were two managers and a VP, and I guess I kind of worked with all three, but the two managers, like, really trained me, and, like, all the ins and outs of Photoshop, made sure that I was, like, really good at PowerPoint, and that I understood a design perspective, which I never had cared about. I was, my PowerPoints in college were, like, pretty shitty. Yeah. And I didn't even try to make them good. They were so basic. (laughs) I mean, you're talking to two, like, art school kids who are just, like, I studied writing, and we studied theater. We didn't care about having skills like that. Right. (laughs) It wasn't something you thought, yeah, exactly. It's not something we thought about. So, yeah, I felt like I, and, like, to just understand, like, I was just so excited when I left that job that I could update my resume under skills and be, like, uh, proficient in MRI and Simmons, Photoshop, like, PowerPoint. <laughs> Not that I didn't, I would put PowerPoint no, before, but, like, I, I didn't realize I wasn't proficient until I got to a job where I wasn't proficient, and I was like, yeah, I probably shouldn't have put that on my well, resume. Well, it is something that does help you stand out from other people, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, like, having those extra layers. So, how long were you a temp? So, I was in that, it was a, it was a full-time job, but it just, it was you know, contract. It wasn't like I wasn't sure. on the payroll. Um, so I did that job for eight months and, um, I knew that like, I wasn't going to stay in that job forever. Mm-hmm. And also like the team didn't get funding to hire, you know, a coordinator or an assistant level position full time. So they were super supportive. They were like, you're great. We want you to stay at AMC, but like, it just, it can't be on our team, unfortunately. And so, they were, like, totally supportive of me looking for other internal positions. I spoke to HR and kind of just said, um, I think I'm interested in marketing, if there's any integrated marketing or consumer marketing positions that are available. And mind you, like, I'm saying this as if the listeners know what that means. I didn't know I what that I was just going to say. I didn't know what that meant. I don't know if yeah. I know the difference. So yeah. will you quickly give definitions for those two things? Yeah. So integrated marketing or ad sales marketing, which are interchangeable titles, um, are basically client-facing. That's what I currently do at Combi Central, and that's attached to ad sales, um, and that's when clients come in. And when brands, you say clients, you break it down clients. even further for yes. people who don't know what clients that is. And brand. So clients for a television network are the companies behind the commercials you see yep. on air. Mm-hmm. So if you see a Subaru commercial on MTV, that means Subaru is a client of MTV. Perfect. So it's doing custom marketing for them, which is not like if you just see Subaru's creative that runs in a commercial break, that has nothing to do with integrated marketing. But if you, if there's some, um, like a person who's on one of the shows, yeah, integrated into the commercial. If on Comedy Central, Amy Schumer was in a Subaru and like, you know, something like that, that would be something that's integrated. Right. Um, and then consumer marketing is, um, consumer facing. So that is more like brand marketing, traditional marketing. So anything that a network does to hype up a show before its premiere so that people, 
like me and you, the we'll audience, tune, yeah, we'll just tune, tune in, in and watch. So any sort of like billboards that you see, any commercials that you see, maybe on the other channels that have similar programming. If you go on, uh, social you know, activation, yeah, like maybe you'll go on like RollingStone.com and you'll see like a pop up for a show that's coming out, um, or th- you'll see things on Facebook that are targeted to you. Anything that is for the consumer, for the viewer to tune in is consumer marketing, guys. Amazing school lesson yeah. right now by Miss Emma like Vernon. I just went to a different college yeah. version. I'm Class. into it. Okay, so at AMC, is that where you went next? So yeah, so I um, or one of the two. Yeah, so I ended up um, getting a job in the consumer marketing department of AMC. And guys, that means she was thinking about you. <laughs> yes, customers first. I did it for you guys. Um, I was like, I could go into integrated or I could work for you people. Um, <laughs> yes. So, um, yeah, so I ended up getting a job in consumer marketing of AMC. Mm-hmm. And I... And by the way, that's where Emma and I met. Yeah, because Madeline works at AMC. Well, I don't. Um, <laughs> do you guys talk about, like, your careers on this podcast? Yeah, a little yeah, bit. We're not, like, secretive about it Because, like, Madeline's all. killing it at AMC. Oh, yes, she is. Thanks. Seriously. Emma. Boss lady. She is. So She's much. a boss lady. Thank you. <laughs> back to you. Um, <laughs> Let so. me get back to you. Yes. Yes. The name of the podcast. I like what you did there. Um, yes, yeah, so I was at AMC in the consumer marketing department for two years. Okay. Um, wow, it's a long time. Yeah, it's like that's a steady gig, you know. That is I a mean, steady gig. Like that's not we that talk about yeah. on the podcast a lot how much turnover there is in the industry and how much we've all jumped from job to job to job because that's just yeah. sort of the nature of the thing. Mm-hmm. So I feel like two years is a pretty solid time to be in one place for and sure. What? Okay, so two years is happening. Mm-hmm. Are you still doing comedy? Are what yeah. are you doing? I was after doing, work. I was doing improv throughout okay. all of this. At this time, improv was the only form of comedy I was doing. Um, and you were like, doing this still formally. with UCB? With or UCB with... and then just like different like practice groups or indie teams of like people I met through UCB. Um, it wasn't always like a formal class. Sure. Um, and then... Can you talk a little bit about how you handled that sort of balance? Like that's exhausting to have worked a full day... At yeah, your like job, yeah, nine to six or whatever, nine to seven, and, and then, then go run. pursue, you know, comedy at night. I assume. How did you kind of balance that, or was it just you were super passionate about it, so you were happy to do it? I was usually pretty happy to do it. There were definitely days that were like, you know, draining, or I was really tired, and I was. It's not that I didn't want to be an improv, but I was just like, all I want to do is go lay in my bed right now. But as soon as I would get to, you know. Improv, my especially my classes at UCB, where you know classes at UCB, I think they have sixteen people, and they're pretty. It's usually like a good, fun group of people, and the teachers are all UCB performers. Like it's it's pretty fun, and it was definitely like I would just laugh in class, and especially as I got up through the levels, and you know by the time you're in four hundred one or you're in advanced studies, the people who are there have chosen to be there be because they want to be doing comedy. And in advanced studies, you have to get accepted to the program. So everyone who's in advanced studies has, like, been by a teacher. Someone has said, like, yeah, like, this person should go to... Mm. But that's not... The, I mean, I don't know. So my point is, is like, by the time you're in those you're classes... Committed. It's, you're it's committed. You're it's committed. It's fun. It, yeah, does, right. it doesn't feel, like, tedious and draining. Cool. Because people are just making you laugh. Like, I had a... I had an advanced studies class where I was literally like, I think I gained like a six pack from this class because I was just laughing so much. And, well, this is a side note, but I have always struggled with breaking character in scenes. Like, it is like the note that I get a lot. Like, many I, comedians. So you're like yeah. Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, not that talented, but like, yeah. And um, like, um, what's his face? Uh, Andy? No. Andy? Sandberg? Like? Yes, yeah, Sandberg. He does it too. Yeah. I, uh, so I break character a lot, and, um, I realized, like, it's not, this isn't an excuse for it, like, I absolutely need to work on this, and, like, performers at UCB don't break character, and they perform with the funniest people, but I realized, I'm not breaking character, for a while I was like, am I, 
a self-conscious performer? Am I nervous? And for a while I was like, what do I do to get over like my stage fright? And I realized it's not stage fright so much as it's just like learning to control myself because I'm laughing because it's genuinely funny. funny. And I've been in practices where like I haven't found scenes to be as funny or I haven't, you know, been as in it or enjoyed it as much and I never break character. Well, right. you're giving to the other performers, it sounds like. Right. You're actually like in it with them and you're willing to give back. Yeah, it's you know? definitely something I, I need to work on, absolutely. But I kind of had this epiphany the other week because I just started practicing with a new group and we all knew each other from an Ash class and I always broke character in that class and I was like, oh God, what's wrong with me? I hadn't broken character for months doing like other stuff that I was doing and we had our first practice and I didn't break it in a big way or ruin any scenes with it, but I was just laughing hysterically throughout the whole time. And when we got out of class, I was just like, or practice, I was just like, I finally just realized like I don't break character because I'm a bad performer. Well, I mean, kind of. That is not a good thing. But it's like, I break character because you guys are so freaking funny that I can't help it. Like, it's just so funny. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, and we were all breaking character. Okay. Like, we were all laughing. Listen, how class. can that not be, like, yeah, so fun? Yeah, it's super fun. So, basically, improv doesn't feel like a chore. Okay. When you like the people you're performing with and you have a fun vibe. Because it's, in theory, like, the most fun. So, you... Clearly, we're doing um, your comedy classes while you're at AMC. You were at AMC for two years. Where did you go after AMC? So, I left AMC. This was actually pretty recent. This was um, this past April. I left AMC, and I went to Comedy Central and Spike. So, I guess Viacom, because I work for multiple brands. Um, In the same kind of department? Mm -hmm. Okay. So, I was doing consumer marketing at AMC. And at Viacom, where I am right now, I'm doing integrated marketing. So, refreshing everyone's memories. I think that's the Subaru reference. Um, did I say Subaru? Yeah, you yes. did. Okay, yeah. cool, great. Clearly, we need to get your Subaru deal. I, I, love <laughs> I don't know Subaru anyone who would just like go to Subaru and I think, like... I think Subaru commercials are so funny. It's like always my first auto that I think of. Like, they well, first off, their love campaign of like love that's what makes Subaru Subaru. It's it's just like so sentimental. And now they're I'm doing so funny. I need to watch. One hundred percent submitting this to they're, Subaru. They're new creative with like the dogs. Have you seen it? No. No. Oh my god, it's so funny. It's like it's like a dog like looking at like another dog crossing the street, and then the wife dog looks at the husband dog and it gives the dog a dirty look, and he's like, "You should do okay." I think yes, you're good at yeah. your job. I think you're good at Google Subaru dog commercials, and oh if you don't think God. that it's brilliant. And please recreate the Subaru On a side um, note, I'm plugging brilliant campaign. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is relevant because this is This is of, what you do. This is what you do yeah. now, so this is inspiring. Okay, well, this isn't clearly. like a recent campaign. This is their slogan. Dunkin' Donuts, America runs on Dunkin'. Okay. America runs on Duncan, aka like get it on the go. America runs on Duncan, it's the fuel. Third one, not intended, America has the runs on Duncan. I fucking wow. have the okay. <laughs> then, then another slogan I think is brilliant is sleepies. I'm dying. Sleepies for the rest of your life. Okay, the rest, the sleep of your life. She's making a life, go to sleep yeah, motion. The, the rest him. of your life, the longevity of the mattress. Wow. You, okay, so this is you a are clearly in the right you're in the position right job. day job wise. I, okay. I think it's I just I want to give a shout out to whoever came up with those slogans. Keep doing what you're doing. So I feel like I don't even need to ask you what your job is because I feel like I understand. Well, that's not really <laughs> my job. Okay, what's your job? I just wanted to like give credit where credit was due. Totally. Um. So Sleepies is gonna send you a free mattress. <laughs> Dungeons Yo, is gonna send you my addresses. <laughs> a year I mean, in Dunkin' Donuts. We are not opposed to sponsors for this podcast. No. Yeah. yeah. Um. Wine. Wine sip. Wine sip. Sorry. Uh. What was I just saying? So your job now. Oh. So my job now is very RFP based, which means request for proposal. And a request for proposal, an RFP, is basically like a request that comes in asking for you to like come up with, to ideate around a certain brand. I mean, it's like what the name says, like, a, like to propose something to them. And so, for example, at AMC, when I was on the side of the client, because we were, you know, brand marketing, we would go out to creative agencies and we would RFP them for, you know, different ideas of whether it was like art related, like our key art, or maybe it was, um, 
like maybe we were looking for some sort of cool activation and we would go out to different creative agencies and some would come back with do this at Comic-Con and some would come back with like do this in Times Square do that those are so those are all RFPs that go to creative agencies so at Viacom what's really interesting is I'm part of a subgroup at Viacom called Velocity which operates as an internal creative agency um, so the so Velocity you're creating team, everything yeah so internally. the Velocity team houses integrated marketing, which is what I do, but it also houses like all the traditional agency creative people, like copywriters, designers, project managers, like every type of position that you would see at a typical creative agency is on the Velocity Viacom team. So we'll get an RFP in from a client, so, you know, someone who advertises on the air, and it will kind of have their brief, you know, like, this is our demo, this is our new campaign and strategy for 2017, which we're focusing on now. This is, like, who we're trying to reach. Maybe they'll list if there's any specific programming that they have in mind or um, if they have any restrictions, like, it absolutely cannot be on this programming, any, any sort of thing like that. They'll usually give a budget because, obviously, budget is important because if someone gives you $100,000 versus $10 million, what you'll come back with is entirely different. Um, and a timeline. And from there, I work in integrated marketing on a pitch team. So it's more of like the team that ideates and comes up with ideas. Right, to come back around to them. Yeah, and we'll brainstorm and um, talk to other internal departments. We'll talk to like the social team or uh, like the creative producer team and just kind of understand like what's feasible and try and come up with like full multi-platform campaign. That's what they're looking for. Sometimes they just want to be like linear on TV only. Um, Come up with different options and ideas for them and um, specifically on the pitch team because right now it's broken out into pitch and execution so I'm more the idea side and the mm-hmm. deck side and the align with sales so I'll be on calls with, with the salesperson who has the account talking through the creative ideas for what we can do with them on the phone call or at, at the meeting and then if it gets sold through and they and they like the idea and they want to execute the campaign then there's an execution team which works more closely aligned with like the more Comedy Central brand team to like they're the ones that would kind of check in with like the social talent. and talent and mm-hmm. whatever to say like okay well this is feasible this is what we would do and they're the ones who actually are more like executing the campaign once the idea has been sold through and going to the shoot and making sure that everything is set up and that the actors are right and that the script is right and helping develop that script. So your day job actually relates pretty closely to what you're doing after work. It's just continual like new ideas. Essential. Yeah, and also too because it's for Comedy Central, like it definitely allows so, yeah, me perfect to be. Well, it's also Spike, which flex is super some, fun too. But flex some muscles. Yeah, so I feel like all roads kind of led to this position mm. um, because I have a comedy background, and now I work at Comedy Central. I have a consumer marketing background and just a TV background, so I understand just, like, the gist of marketing. I also think it's incredibly valuable to have come from the side where I was the client, being sure. the consumer marketing, and just kind of understand, like, I know when we would have different agencies come and pitch us ideas, I know, like, when what when we all walked out of a meeting, what our team would regroup and kind of say and think about those sure. things. So I kind of know, like... Maybe you're, you're like a couple steps ahead. This is what should be presented in a right. meeting. Yeah, whatever. you're a couple steps ahead. Yeah, and then I also have that background of working in ad sales because my first job was in ad sales business development. Specifically, I was building out decks all the time for all different categories. So I kind of feel like when you combine ad sales business development, consumer marketing, and comedy to be doing integrated marketing at Comedy Central was not like the next step I had in mind, but it makes, makes perfect, perfect sense. Makes sense. Yeah. That is a great and you're like, spot to go out. Yes, absolutely. on a break. Shoot up a dwee, ba dwee da dow. Shoot up a dwee up and dwee da wow. Boop why up we died And we're back. And we're back. Um, all right, so Emma, we are gonna get a little more personal with you right okay. now. <laughs> break um, we're all getting a little more personal. So, For everyone listening, we're all a few drinks in. We are. Um, <laughs> it's a very intimate space we've, we've made for ourselves. Question for you. Yeah. What is it like to date someone while working in the entertainment industry? Um, that is an interesting question. So I've had like a variety of uh, reactions. 
I kind of like obviously like I'm on Bumble right now, you know, just doing my Bumble Girl Anthem NYC. <laughs> the one of the dating apps out yes, there. It's a dating app, and it's interesting because I feel like I try and bring it up like relatively quickly in a conversation because I feel like if someone is deterred by it, I'm like, well, like that's who I am, so bye. Yeah. And if they're like, oh, like that's awesome, then I'm like, okay, great, like. If you like, if you are the kind of guy who likes a girl in comedy, then like, let's continue this conversation. Or if they're just like worried, like, oh, don't put this like, don't put this conversation. Oh, in your, yeah, in your I set. bet that comes up more often than not, yeah. and that's an easy way to weed them out of like, okay, goodbye. Yeah, but it's yeah. also like again, like it's kind of what I was saying earlier. Why, like, sometimes things come up that are just like really not that funny. They're just like a random detail, and people are like, are you gonna, are you gonna put this in your routine? I'm like. My routine is not a tell-all book. Like, I have, like, five minutes yeah. on stage. Good call. Five also, or six like, minutes on stage. Don't give yourself that much credit. Like, yeah, like, <laughs> it's not that funny. Um, but, yeah, so I feel like in general um, it's been pretty good. Obviously, like, there are certain nights of the week that I'm busy. But I also should point out that I haven't been in, like, any serious relationships. So it hasn't been a big issue of, like, me not being there. Yeah. Um, I kind of just, like, make time when I make time. And, um, yeah. Cool. All right. All right. Do you have any crazy celebrity stories? And or. And or. Um, horrible boss stories from your career, both day job and night and please feel free to um, protect yes. whoever. You don't, you don't need don't, to name names. You don't need to name names. Necessarily, but, but tell us all the celebrities. Thank you. Um, celebrity stories? Not really. Okay. Um, I mean, like, I've definitely seen celebrities at events and things like that, but it's, like, not kosher to go up to them. Like, unless I was working with them directly. Sure. It would be, like, very weird if I was, like, like I'm a hey. big fan. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is also interesting because when I was in sales, I feel like it was a lot more like, okay, like if you were like, ah, can we get a picture? Because sales people are with clients so much that they, they would do it on the client's behalf. Oh, so if sales people are with clients, and then send it then back they, to the they're, client they're with their clients and they're like, oh, like, of course you can get a picture with so-and-so. And they'll specifically have talent at events for that reason. So it's like, well, the talent is also getting paid by the client. Right. In sales, <laughs> it's like very okay for you to go up and be like, hey, like, would you talk to these people or could we get a picture or whatever? But, like, in consumer marketing, at least, like, when I went, so I remember, like, so we had had, like, a, an upfront event. For everyone listening, upfront is basically the, when sales brings all, or invites all of their clients to show them all the different programming that they have in store for the upcoming year. And, um, you know, it depends on what the budget is, but I remember this was a few years ago, and AMC had an amazing upfront, and they had all of the talent from every show there. They were sitting at the tables with with the people, with like all the clients, like mingling, going around. That was really cool. And I remember like every, because it was like so sales facing, everyone was getting pictures because everyone had their clients. And I was like going up and like taking selfies with like Bob Odenkirk. And like, you're my hero. I do improv. No and like Stephen Yun from The Walking Dead. And he was so nice. And I was just like, this is amazing. And obviously like I would put them on like Facebook or Instagram, whatever. And then as soon as I got to consumer marketing, they're like, we like, it was just like nothing. No, like, no. You don't do that. With no, no. no. Yeah. yeah. Because you are not. Like, you're kind of, like, you're working for the brand. Like, yeah. it's, a, it's just, like, there's a different ethos. And Got it. I was, like, so, and then, like, you know, you start to become social media friends with people on your team. And I was, like, hiding and deleting. Like, I was, like, I want to save this in my phone. So, like, there's evidence that, like, Bob Odenkirk and I, like, have a selfie together. But, like, I have to delete this. Because people would talk, people would say stories, like, oh, yeah, like, at that premiere, like, so-and-so was taking pictures of the talent, like, and it was very frowned upon, so I was like, all right, I got it. Uh, <laughs> I right. clear my social media. I mean, let's also just say that people in the industry sometimes are a little uptight. A little uptight. A little uptight. Um, okay, so what about any boss horror stories that you might want to share? Um, We've gotten some good ones, so don't, don't feel like you have to hold back. Well... I would just say, um, I'm going to be very PC about this. You can also spin it as a funny thing if you don't want to, like. Well, no, I actually have a piece of advice that I can, like, shed light on from this. 
which is that everyone kind of always says that you are your best advocate and at the end of the day only you are going to stand up for you and root for you and I agree with that to a large extent but I don't agree with that entirely I think that there are people that you can surround yourselves with who mm-hmm. are champions of you yeah, yeah absolutely. And I think that if you are in an environment and you realize early on that there is nobody there who's trying to guide you or help you or champion or, or champion you, you yes. and you're asking for projects or resources or things you can do to improve or to grow and it doesn't seem like you're being nurtured that that is not a place for you to be 100 percent beautiful you, advice you that's great you don't advice. need somebody who is literally going to hold your hand and give you things because only you can do that for yourself but there should be somebody wherever you work in your corner who can who will put their neck out on the line for yeah. you and say yes this person is great this person should be promoted how can i like how can i promote you how can i help you and um Right, and that doesn't mean that doesn't mean like they're hand holding you every day. That doesn't no. mean like you know you're not putting in a thousand percent effort. But that means that that person is actually recognizing yeah. and acknowledging yeah. your role and the work that you're doing, and would be willing to when the time is right to really stick up for you. And yeah. I think that's a really good point because I think I know for me anyway, it was like early in my career, I was just sort of like I have to make it. By myself, I'm not expecting anybody to champion me or do it for me. And I genuinely think that was the wrong way to think about it. I think it's like, no, you have to find the people who are going to do that. I mean, with think you. about your boss. He is the most supportive, the best boss like, in the world. He is your biggest supporter. Um, and I and yeah. I really believe every single person deserves to have a boss like that. And if you don't have a boss like that, that means maybe it's not the right job for you. Yeah, and you also have to really decide like what is the best environment that you. You operate in. I mean, I've also been very, very, very lucky to have amazing bosses who were always very supportive of me. But you know, you have to make your own choices. Like, yeah. are, like what is the best for you on a day to day basis? Because like, you have to be there all day, every day, and you have to mm-hmm. do something sometimes yeah. that you maybe don't want to do. But you have to yeah. feel good when you walk away. That is some great advice. On that <laughs> note, we're gonna take a quick break. Alright, and we're back. Um, Emma? Yes. What is a TV show, film, play, web series, etc. that you would recommend to the audience that is a must-watch? Um, I am going through an A&E binge right now. That is very surprising. Yeah. Give me more. Okay. Intervention love. Classic. <laughs> 60, 60 days in. Whoa. You gotta watch it. Born this That's way. That's a brand new one. Born this way. Phenomenal. Okay. Very smart. Very All right. Great. Yeah. Wow. Right? I was not expecting that. Yeah. I know. Real, real curveball. Okay. Uh, All right. Another plug for a big brand, Annie. Yeah. Next question. Oh, also, when Nathan for you comes back on to a brand, I guess, in day job wise or, or comedy wise with your group. Oh, okay. And like, I have this idea that I think would be super fun for a show, but I have to like think of the logistics of it. But basically, like, there are certain tropes of improv that always come up in scenes. Like, there's always like, I feel like a wacky waiter is like a recurring thing that happens, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think it would be a really fun show if. There were people who were genuine, like, just people off the street, non-improvisers, who were set up on a blind date, but everything around them was, like, a trope of improv. So, like, I'm literally thinking about this. I'm like, can I contact the pit? Like, can I put this on? But so, basically, it's, like, two people. It's kind of like, you know, in Time Out New York, where they're, like, the undateables, and they, like, put two people together. Like, you just find people that you can put together that, like, have a basic chemistry, whatever. And put them on a date, and maybe it, maybe it's like the show is like an hour, and there's four different dates, so that like you, if it's weird, they can get out of it, or it doesn't get redundant. And so they're genuinely on a date for a live theater audience. So obviously, you find people who are like fun and outgoing who would volunteer to do that, 
and everything is normal, except it's like a waiter is like, hello, welcome to our restaurant, all we serve is Pop-Tarts, like, you know, like something weird. So and everything is normal, ex- except, except nope. the improv. Yeah, everyone except around everything. them. Yeah, yeah, nothing whatever, is normal. Whatever environment. So like maybe one, maybe one date, they're like, you're in a restaurant, but maybe the other, like they, the improviser set the scene, so they're like, Oh, like you're in Central Park. Like, do you mind moving your towel over? Like, you're hitting our towel. And they're just like, this is really good. And so they're like, they're really on a date, and they just have to like be on a date and be as real as they can because they're just regular people. But like everything around them going on is just like weird. And also like on first date when you're like, oh, it's like something to react. I mean, I feel like a fun like dinner theater thing. Also, like I could see it on True TV or something like that, where it's like prank. The yeah, no, it's a prank. They don't know this is going on around. I mean, guys, if you want to put this up with me let me know call up some great idea to get this going great idea i'm in okay i'm an investor um okay what is the best piece of career advice that you have received well i guess there's two careers there um i think in terms of like my marketing career um trying to think like what has really resonated with me that I have found to be true. You mentioned your mentor, you mentioned your mom, you yeah. mentioned some... Yeah, it doesn't have to be split up, it can just be yeah. generalized like as a woman working, like any sort of advice that sort of sits with you. I think just like really know your surrounding. I don't even know if this is advice someone has given to me, but I think just like really take a beat to just sort of understand the MO of whatever situation you're in before you, um, you know, start, like, doing whatever it is you do. I definitely think, I think you should come in, like, like you're in the position you're in. Don't come in weak. Come in, like, this is your position. This is what you're doing. Don't... Come in strong. You know, the people who assume things and do them are better off than the people who ask if they can do them. Oh, yeah. But with that said, I also think, especially in a new job... There should be like a 30 day period where you observe before you mm. necess- not observe, don't be passive, speak your mind, whatever, but don't be like, definitely don't be the one who is like, when I was at blah, 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 this is how we did it. Like, hold that thought to yourself. Have a friend, have a glass of wine that when you leave work, you can be like, what? But just observe for a month. And then you'll see what what is a pattern versus what is a one off. And then you can start, and people contribute. Yeah, yeah. and if people hire you, especially coming from somewhere else, they're hoping that you can add to their right. team and bring a new perspective. But just take time to observe and and just really like see what the environment that you're in is like without you in it before you mm. figure out how you can contribute. That's a great That's piece really, of advice. Yeah. I I am on board with that. Um. All right. Last question: Is there anything you would like to promote on this podcast? Perhaps the next time you're performing or where we can see you? Um, I don't know when this is going up. I have a show with my new team, Baby Genies, my new improv team. Baby Genies is the team I'm on that makes me laugh in every practice. And um, we are just starting to perform. So we have a show coming up this Sunday. We'll have other shows. I'm also on a two-prog team called Shrimpy. Um, with my friend Molly. We perform across New York City as well. Um, I do stand-up um, around the city. And I guess just Google me and find out <laughs> when I'm performing. We will put all of your yeah, and, uh, handles. Uh, yeah, I'm starting to do sketch, but I don't know how that would be related to like finding me. So All right. Yeah, I Google myself all the time, and I can't really find anything related to me. It always says, like, Emma Vernon, like, ghost of Massachusetts. So, don't Google me. Hopefully after this podcast, you will be Googleable in a different yeah, way. Exactly. Oh, my God. Now it's going to be like, Emma Vernon, let me get back to you. Yeah, exactly. This is up to you guys to change, because right now it's, like, ghost of Massachusetts, and I'm pretty sure that's not me. So, help me. Help me help, help you find me. get me. my Google search up. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, thank you, Emma, so thank much. Thank you, Emma, for coming on the podcast. My cheekbones hurt. My cheekbones hurt. Me it's too. Such a great this episode. This has been so fun. Yay. I'm a little tipsy. I don't want to leave. <laughs> You're never leaving. You're never leaving. Thank you, everyone. Please make sure to send in questions, comments, anything for Emma, anything for us, and we check will... Emma out. Yeah, check My Emma Twitter out. Is what is it? M Burns. E M V E R N S. Uh, it's just kind of like me ranting about random things because I don't really have many followers. So 
Get on that. You will now. Get on it. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, we'll guys. see you next week. Booyah, ba-dai. Booyah, ba-dai. Tweet up, tweet up, tweet up, Tweet up, tweet up, tweet up, let me get back to you. Bum. It's us again. <laughs> Before we go, we want to take a moment to say thank you for listening and for going on this journey with us. From the bottom of our hearts, we have been so encouraged by all the support and love we have received over these last few weeks. It's been amazing. So thank you, thank you, thank you to all of you guys who have listened and supported us. And also to those of you who have reached out letting us know how you've been enjoying the first season of the show. We absolutely love hearing all of your thoughts and feedback. And to that point, we are really excited to bring you a bonus episode in a few weeks. Bonus. Who doesn't love a bonus? There's still time to hit us up with any questions you have for us to answer in that bonus episode about the entertainment industry, our guests, or us. Please feel free to use the contact page on our website, or you can always reach out to us over social media. We'll be sure to keep you guys posted on season two. It'll be coming soon. Bye for now.